to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for clothes only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And hello, everyone. It's time for No Church Answers. We're the men from Man Up Spiritual Oasis. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on our own spiritual journey. This is Podcast 259, Hard to Believe. And we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab the globe, spin it around. Boom! Southeast, fine Texas. Southeast side of Texas, Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. So... Each week we take a section of scripture, discuss it, peel it like an onion, look for ways to apply it to our own Christian lives. And we're here with a great bunch of fellas, and I want to go ahead and just, I'm going to jump right in and introduce them at this time. He is a former world-class policy writer, a current professional gambler, happens to be the show producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Hey, Steve. Yo. Hey, Steve. A, a former prosecutor, an attorney, we call him the judge, kind of the group historian. Sitting down there at the end is Michael Cropper. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. And he is a world-class corporate trainer, kind of the group theologian. And I guess for this discussion, a little bit of a celebrity for being on the Maxwell <laughs> podcast. Uh, we call him the professor. It's Robert Koshu. You're right, hey, Robert. Robert. And my name is Bill Cox, and I'm basically a contractor and the host. And man, I'm not sure it could get any hotter down here in Houston. So, <laughs> anyway. It can, but we don't, don't make it that Don't say that. Don't <laughs> challenge the <Stop> Lord. <laughs> God, did you hear what he said? <laughs> right, 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 right. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to jump right in for this brand new study and turn it over to uh, Mr. Steve Titch. Uh, thank you. Thank you, uh, Bill. Hey, um, we are beginning a study of the book of Job, which is really if my favorite book in the Bible, which is somewhat hard to believe, but I've studied it the most. Um, there are parts of it being a both a somewhat of a cantankerous libertarian uh, dissident. Uh, there are things I like about it, a lot of things I like about it, and as an English major, I like things about it. Um, what's also, of course, what most people know about Job is that it deals with the question of suffering and justice. And if you're, well, if you're, if, I'm sure everyone out there um, at some point in their uh, college days or even in their adult days, you say you're a Christian, and somebody invariably says, well, if God is good, why do such bad things happen in this world? And they think they're the first person who thought of that. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> right. Enlightened. Enlightened. Big light bulb came on. They were, and, they like, were you need, and, and you need to solve it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Dude, you're, you're the one that's going to um, solve this. And, well, you know, it, it's, been, it's been discussed right. for, for thousands of years. Um, uh, and of course, that's that's one of the principal themes of the Book of Job: the the idea of what they call theodicy, um, what is justice of God in light of human suffering. Um, but there are sub themes like piety. Why are we pious? Are we pious simply because we get good things? Do we uh, believe in God? I'm looking at you, uh, Lakewood Church. Um, <laughs> or um, and and also, you know, what? How does God reveal Himself to us? And it, and is that relationship does that evolve? And and in this book, um, 
the relationship with Job, between Job and God, does start at point A, and it goes to point B or even beyond that. And and how does that track with our own lives? Now, we don't have, I hope we never have Job-like catastrophes, but as we grow in the Lord, does our relationship change and evolve? And and I think we see that in Job. I'll, I'll, I'll let the other guys comment. Okay, I'm going to make Michael Cropper follow that. God heard that. This is very appropriate because now we're going to have a prosecutor. Yes. Speaking. Right, so, the prosecutor yeah. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Uh, well, folks, uh, yes, as Steve said, all of you heard about Job, uh, and, and you know it probably backward and forward, and you think of it as a book of suffering. And uh, my thought, I'm changing a little direction here. Mm-hmm. Have any of you seen My Best, one's, my best Friend's Wedding with Julia Roberts? Cameron Diaz and Dermot Mulroney. Okay, a, and the reason I mentioned that, yeah, right, right. <laughs> I must have had it on a date night. <laughs> yes, well, well, it's very interesting. That's a chick flick. I have a reason for this. I'm going somewhere with this. Since my oh, my first podcast always says I'm going somewhere with this. Anyway, um, and my and my screen won't move. <laughs> uh, no, anyway. Um, Michael and Jules, who are Julia Roberts, have been close friends all their life, and neither of them pushed the idea of marriage, but they they did agree that if neither of them got married by the time they reached 28 years old, they would marry each other. Michael is a Chicago sports writer, and he calls Jules about three weeks before her 28th birthday, and he tells Jules that he is, and by the way, again, this is Julie Roberts, he's getting married and would like for her to come and meet his fiancée, Kimmy, who is Cameron Diaz. Now, Julie Roberts has an epiphany, and she realizes that she is madly in love with Michael. So she decides to fly to Chicago to thwart the wedding, right? Stop the wedding. If you all have seen it, this is where I'm getting at it here. So now all the time, Jules is the kindest and warmest new friend to Kimmy while underhandedly trying to sabotage your wedding with Michael. Well, today's podcast is about Job, <laughs> Satan, and God. God and Job are in a close relationship, right? <laughs> and, and Job loves God, and he is very happy to serve him. Satan is like Julia Roberts, folks, and, and because he attempts to break up the relationship between God and Job through deception, mm-hmm. and m- much like Jules, okay? Now, all of you have heard of Job and the suffering and pain he experiences because God gives Satan permission to afflict Job. And like Kimmy and Best Friend's wedding, Job is unaware that Satan is behind the horrendous mental and physical affliction he is experiencing. Now, I'm going to throw in another comment here, folks. If y'all haven't seen Doctor Strange in the Multiverse, this reminds me of it because you're talking about two different dimensions here. You're talking about Job like you or me or Robert, right? Sitting here, and and even Bill, who's looking down at his <laughs> lap, and and we are totally unaware of what's going on between God and Satan up there in the other dimension. Okay, Bill. Excellent, now, Professor. Your overview. So I just want to point out that usually it's Steve or I that throw a Marvel. <laughs> and it was Mike this time. That's right. So wow. So I, this is one of the more interesting books. So. It was never questioned whether or not it was in the canon of Scripture or not. It was always there. Historically, it's considered wisdom literature. It's usually actually placed with Psalms or Proverbs. 
One of the more interesting things, the actual story of Job occurs at the time of the patriarchs. Um, I shared once before, a couple of years ago on my, the BibleGateway.com app, which I highly recommend, you can do your annual Bible reading and you can choose to do it in a historical or chronological order. And so I probably knew Job occurred during the time of the patriarchs and just had forgotten it because I'm reading along in Genesis about Abraham and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, wham, I'm in Job. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? And I read the whole book and I was like, oh, wow. So it occurred then. It's probably one of the earliest stories. It probably translated down oral history-wise, particularly the prose part of it, where the story itself of Satan and Job and challenging and what happens and how it's resolved and three friends come. And then during the exile, it actually gets added into prose and Steve poetry. and I were joking. Poetry. poetry. Thank yeah. you, Steve. I always do that. <laughs> and, and Steve and I were talking earlier about it being, uh, there's a lot of sampling of Proverbs and Psalms and maybe some Ecclesiastes within the book of Job as it goes through because it is a, it's a story that occurs probably to a real historical person, but it is developed and brought out as a wisdom piece to teach us the importance of what we do with our faith and how we look at things when those times happen uh, to us. If, if I may give one bit of background before yeah. we go, uh, it, is, it is part of a great working out that I think happened after the exile or toward the Definitely. end of it. Um, and that's, that's historically, the, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible as we know it today, pretty much came together in that century after the uh, exile, when they returned, which is somewhat miraculous when you think about it, because I can't think of many points in history when a conquered people were pulled out of their homeland and you know, spread out and then allowed to go back and reform their nation. Um, so here you are, the Israelite people, the Hebrew people, trying to make sense of this, they're looking back at their whole history. We've, taught, we've, we've looked at Chronicles. Uh, and, and their whole history is very much like um, God said, be faithful and you will be rewarded. Be, you know, worship other idols and you will be punished. And they look at what the prophets wrote and they look at their good kings and bad kings and they say, well, I guess that's what happened. But yet we were restored. And... That is, that is, and, and certainly that'll look around and say, okay, some kings were bad, we had some bad Hebrews, but not every one of us turned idolater. Yeah. Some of us who went, got, got spirit away or got plundered, we were, we were faithful people. And so they're working this out, and of course, it's very nice they set it. It's set in patriarchal times like we would set a Western. In, my, in today, <laughs> or a science fiction movie. The Mandalorian. In fact, in fact the, Mandalorian. The, first, the first line of this, or, or yeah, in the first line practically is a long time ago in a land far, far, far away. <laughs> because nobody quite really knows where Ooze is, or it's it, biblically, I mean, they, they have some ideas it might have been in Syria or something like yeah. this, but it's not really clear. So it's set already so to, give, to give the post-exilic reader some distance, and here we get into this whole working out of why did what happened to us happen to us? Excellent. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read the first scripture. This is Job 1, 1 through 12. 
In the land of Uz, there was a man who was named Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. He throws him under the bus. (laughs) Right. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hand so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then. Everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So why do we serve God? Well, Steve asked that. This 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 raises the, exactly the question you brought up about yeah. sundering the relationship. I'm sorry, Robert. I didn't realize you were going to speak. Okay, just go ahead, go. But no, I just I just wanted to mention that because Steve, what that's one of the questions Steve says we want to explore and look at. Do we serve God because He blesses us, or do we serve Him because it's the right thing to do? So, and, and Robert, I go ahead. I, yeah, yeah. I don't think I. There is zero evidence of God placing a hedge around Job. I think that Satan throwing that out there to bait, for lack of a better term. To bait God? Yeah. Well, no, well you he, wouldn't. He was the richest man, the richest man. In, the, yeah. in, the ta- richest, in the area. Greatest, richest, yes. greatest yeah. guy. But, 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 okay, that doesn't, I, I think, because it, it talks about his piety. And I think Job is prosperous for two reasons. Because he works hard, and because he has faith, and and I'm I'm one of those. I always tell people, if your faith is not impacting everything you do, and this, this is part of, you know, one of our long conversations that we've had for a very long time now is, you know, if if you're the guy at work who's barely scraping by and doing the minimum of what you need to do and stealing other people's work and mm-hmm. doing all that, quit telling people you go to mm-hmm. church and be a Christian. You know, if you're truly a Christian, you are called to be excellent and awesome from Bill's words in everything you do. It is your job to work hard. And and I don't mean work hard in the sense of you're a workaholic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in your eight to ten hours, whatever you work a day, you are there to give it all and do your best at it all. 
So he's, but Job is that. Job, I mean, yeah. I, it's certainly yeah, he's yeah. certainly there between yeah. the lines that he works out. He's and he's definitely faithful. He's he yeah. he at, he's a it's in patriarchal times, so he's a priest. He he sacrifices on behalf yeah. of his children in case they fouled up yeah. along. Yeah, I, I like how he does that too. It's like well, <laughs> okay. Um, so and but but you could say I mean I, it's it's I think we're, we're we're splitting hairs here because because in a way this this hedge is being is being offered by by Satan as this idea that oh Job is only pious because, because you yeah. because because you besto- you know and, and you bestowed these Great gifts well. on him. Um, yeah. um and the only the only reason Job is faithful is because it's he's getting something from it. He, right. It's self-serving. And so if yeah. he can he can say the whole idea, the whole reason people in this case Job really are are devout and praise God is what they're getting out of it for themselves it basically makes the makes it a, a fraud in a way and mm-hmm. and so God and it's interesting and he says God's the guy who brings Job up well, <laughs> yeah. God God volunteers Job <laughs> well, the, the, the thing here is I honestly Satan's already tried to get to him mm-hmm. haven't you why have you put a hedge around him? Satan has been trying to get to Job, and and, and God once again controls the outside of us, protects the outside so, of us. So is this but a screw tape letters get, moment? Huh? Mm-hmm. Is this a screw tape letters moment? Yes, yes, yes. Screw tape letters, great. Absolutely. Book? Yeah. Uh, yes. Satan, Satan has been trying to get to Job, and the the best God will allow Satan at this point is to get in our minds, like we even mm-hmm. experience today, right? And when he wants to hurt a person's body, whether it's cancer or whatever it is, he's got to ask God permission. Mm-hmm. And this is why he goes to him and says, haven't you put a hedge around him and I can't get to him? Yeah. I've, I've been trying. Go ahead. I've been trying. Okay. Give me a break, God. And he knows God's going to mention him where he's got his fingers crossed. Hoping that God's mm-hmm. going to bring up Job so he can have well, the permission the authority to get to Well, he's the greatest guy. Yes, he's, he's the exactly. greatest guy, and that's what it says in the text. So why wouldn't why, why wouldn't, wouldn't God he be the, well? No, why wouldn't he be the target? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, for Satan. Yeah. I mean, why would you go after underling? And with that, I'm going to go ahead and we'll take the break number one. This is podcast two fifty nine. We'll be right back. This is Bill Cox, director of Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Thanking you, our listeners, for making us one of the fastest growing podcasts in the Christian space. We are proud to announce that the regular guys have earned a video slot on Preach the Word TV Network, a Christian video streaming application with more than 50 million downloads worldwide. To finance our video production, we have launched a GoFundMe page to raise funds for our studio space and production team. Our program will be available on Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. It will also air locally in Atlanta on Saturday mornings on WYGA channel 16.5. To make a tax-deductible contribution and learn more details, Please look us up on GoFundMe.com under Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men or donate directly through PayPal at donate at manupmedia.org. Thank you so much for your support. And now back to the fellas of Man Up. And welcome back. This is No Church Answers with the fellas from Man Up Spiritual Oasis. I'm going to go ahead and uh, continue on. We are, this is going to be Job 1. 
13 through 22. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine of the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabians attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the sky, burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert, struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them, and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. I I love, this is something I think we all need to remember. And and we do talk about leaving a legacy on, on this podcast. But I think we need to realize that legacy is not something you leave this monetary. Legacy is something we leave that people, how people viewed your life and how you lived your life. And that entire, I, I'm, I'm really big on reading scripture and taking it all in context. That entire idea of legacy comes from this statement. Naked I came, naked I leave. What do I leave behind? When I think of this particular uh, verse, I think of death. And I think of how death and if you've ever watched anything die, uh, when it first starts to die, it starts fighting it as if it's going to make it. And then it gradually gets to the point it understands it's not going to die. And then it accepts it. And then immediately before death is peace. And then the body remains still. And I think of this when, and when I think about Job, it's how we as people are, we came in with nothing, we are going to leave with nothing, and so are we going to curse whatever gave us our ride up, our ride down? And that's why the, when the story of Job kind of hits me, pretty seriously is is kind of the way I look at it. And right here, this is where we start to get to the true part of the lesson in my mind. Because Steve mentioned earlier, so I'm just going to throw them out there, the prosperity gospel guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I bang on the ex-evangelicals a lot because <laughs> they drive me crazy. But but I always preface it with, they've got a point. here. This This entire part of this lesson today is going to be their point in my mind. The prosperity gospel has done so much harm to the cause of Christ because they have literally destroyed people's relationship with God 
because they tell you, hey, unless you're getting it, you're not faithful enough. And in my mind, they're no different than the ancient Greeks who run in to make their offer, their sacrifice to Diana or Zeus to keep them placated, to ask for a blessing. And in reality, what they've done, and I'm going to use the word that really would have resonated with the Baals, with the ancient Israelites during the mm-hmm. exile, they have made a bail out of wealth mm-hmm. and brought that bail into the church has mm-hmm. a hardcore, you know, if you're not if you're not wealthy, if you're not prosperous, if you're not driving the Cadillac, if you didn't get that promotion mm-hmm. at work, if you didn't do all that, then guess what? You're just not faithful but enough. The the other part of this though is that I mean and people I mean they just they just do it in spades. Oh yeah. The the the, the tradition, note the tradition going all the way back to these times and earlier is that earthly goodness is rewarded Mm-hmm. or faithfulness, however you want to put it. And obviously then by extension, well, if you're bad, you're punished. And already we see, well, we see bad things happening to Job, yet, yet he hasn't done it. We, we are told specifically that he hasn't done anything bad. This is all, God bragged on him. Yes, now, but, but there's also something very significant. I do want to get back to your comments earlier, Bill. But there is something fairly significant, and it's so subtle, but it's going to point toward a lot of things that happen when the friends come along. The messenger comes along. Now, the messenger may have seen all this happening. The, the, he reports, he reports it in verse 16. The fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants. It wasn't the fire of God. He, he, he perceived it wrong. He was wrong. He did see something happened. He just assumed, oh, God must have done that. And that is a very human reaction, and it's fairly overlooked, but we're going to see throughout this book that the friends consider continue to say wrong things, and it is by pretty much echo strains of the prosperity gospel that is heard today. Yep. Goodness is good rewarded. But I want to go back to Bill because you started this earlier about the naked I came, naked I, I naked I will leave, and that you, there's no complaint there. And I'd like you, you know. <laughs> well, you, they say he was a great man. And uh, I can tell you from a farm perspective, the more animals and more responsibility you have, the less time uh, that you have. Uh, you are you you are on call twenty four seven, seven days a week, and people call you great because they're not they're not calling you great they're calling your herds great, <laughs> yeah. you, you know it's it's a huge it's a huge ordeal to keep up with that kind of thing and and he must have had incredible heights as he was gathering all of this. I mean, think about it. When you're young in life and you're accumulating stuff, you get that new house, you have that beautiful wife, you you get some new cars and stuff. You're thinking, man, this stuff is awesome. And then pretty soon it becomes a boat anchor uh, to you. And the same things that bring you up, and it's just like, um, you, you need to be humble on your way up because the people you pass are the same you pass on the way down. <laughs> and and I, I think about the story of Job. Why would I curse the person who made all of this possible for me just because I 
just because it's gone. I'm happy that I had the opportunity to have it. And I'm just going to throw this out. I wanted to find a way to fit this story in. I saw one of my favorite homeless guys panhandling on the street. I recognize him. He wears the same gray fedora. He goes, I might be homeless, but I got class. <laughs> and he's great, man. I always give him money and stuff. And uh, and and when you were talking about prosperity uh, uh, gospel, just because you don't have money doesn't mean you don't have faith. This guy, I don't even know his name. I've I've seen him, you know, periodically for years. It's, he's on the he's on Westheimer and Highway Six. I take that route all the time, and uh, it, it is just awesome. And he says. He gives, it just gives me such joy, and it's a blessing to see people like you. Mm-hmm. And so, like, his faith, just by seeing guys, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, and it goes right directly opposed with the prosperity gospel mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. You know? So, well, anyway, I, I just wanted to throw that in. Yeah, I got a couple comments uh, we ask, uh, and we talk about Satan going up before God, and, uh, and Steve brought up a great point. It looks like Satan is doing his best to convince God that, that things should go his way, right? And use a, bit, use, a, use a bit of deception, like Steve said. But folks, you got to remember something. God is omniscient. He already knows chapter 42 in Job, mm-hmm. and Satan does not. He doesn't have any idea. God knows that no matter what Satan throws at him, Job is not going to give in, and he's not going to take the third commandment, thou shalt not, thou shalt not cuss the Lord thy God, or um, uh, use him. God knew that Job would not forsake him. He also knew at the end he would teach Job more about himself. And we will learn that. As we go through the lesson, right, Steve? This is one of the goals that God has. The reason, so why did God permit the, the suffering? And, 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 and the only thing that also in the back of my mind is what, why did his family have to die. And I'm sure that comes up to all of us. I'll give you you one moment. I think think they wanted to show his future security was taken as well. Yeah, because I mean, mean, remember, now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ruffle some feathers here. It's a story. It's not, I don't think this ever, I'm going to come out and say, I don't think, I, I don't think the story of Job happened Word for word or verse for verse, as it happened, there may have been a job. There may have it's been like a, rich a parable, man. Right? Yeah. Yes, I think I think it's a great story, and it fits. And remember, revelation is not necessarily literal truth. We're learning something agree. God is telling us about. This. So, so I will go so, on, but I think I, I, yeah, think, I think it's, it's a parable. But I think too. we can we can learn. We can say it's it's all the more tragedy because all his offspring died. But also, I think the point is not only did he lose all his wealth now. He he's, lost his future. He's, he lost yeah, all right, his... Right. He his, thought he lost his, his future. Well, yeah, he didn't but, know yes, otherwise, right? But, but that's right? the part of the story he wants to make clear. He you know, so you right. can't, read, we can't read this and say, ah, well, you know, he'll, right, just, right, he'll right. just rebuild. No, I think you gave the correct answer. It's like yeah. a parable. Mm-hmm. There's, there's yes, a yeah, yeah. hidden meaning to it, mm-hmm. and the other things mm-hmm. are periphery. Mm-hmm. Well, it, but, but I do. I think even, even if it was a true story at this point, because... I tend to lean it was. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the poetry part was. Mm-hmm. I, I think there was a Job. I think something similar to this happened to him. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I think maybe the part about God and Satan is a parable mm-hmm. and an allegory. Mm-hmm. I think there were three friends. Do I think mm-hmm. they came and spoke po- poetry? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they came and told him, and I think, there, and he came back. But by the same token, I, I think it was because remember, 
back then, children were, were two things. The first thing mm-hmm. they were were currency because mm-hmm. you needed sons to work the fields. Mm-hmm. Daughters got bride price when they got married. Mm-hmm. So you got cash for your girls. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they were, the sons in particular were your legacy. Yes. They were mm-hmm. how your name carried on, you know, mm-hmm. and you inherited and you decided who got what. Prodigal son, good example. We talked right. about that right. recently. You know, and so this is, this part of it is taking not only his wealth, because he took all the sheep, all the cattle, all the camels, but mm-hmm. he also took away all his kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and I find that. He may take the wife. Not wife. <laughs> in this case, no. <laughs> I've got a point about her in a moment. Okay. Yeah, we get to her in the next section. I've got a point about her in we'll a get moment. To her. <laughs> but but I, I, I think it's there to pull and really pull out that, hey, you know what? When Job makes a statement, naked I came into the world, naked I'm going to return, he literally means that because everything, with the exception of the wife, has been taken away from him at this point. Yeah. He has, mm-hmm. he's got his land. Although I don't I don't I, I think if he was a patriarch for real, like we think he was, he didn't own land. He kind of tented mm-hmm. and moved around with his herds. Right. So mm-hmm. he literally lost everything except maybe the tent he's living in at this moment, mm-hmm. or his house he was living in. Yeah, but the thing about Job, uh, and I think the story was crafted for men in a certain way, and the certain way is the immediacy of all the calamities. Mm -hmm. Now, if the calamities and the crisis would have happened one at a time, Job would have said, okay, leftover servant A, you get out there and you see what the remainder of the oxen are. Or servant B, okay? So this was not a crisis management. This story is designed to take a man, and that's why I say to me, for me it speaks to, it speaks to death. When you finally give up, when you surrender, are you going to curse your maker? Or are you going to live in gratitude that... This was awesome, and thank you, and and this was all this was all worth it. And I think think that's the big difference. This isn't a crisis. This isn't a David story. This is taking you far. I mean, far past grief. I mean, I remember. I think about the gladiator story. You know, of you know, husband to a murdered wife. You know. Uh, father to a murdered son. No, 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 dude. This is way farther than this. This is a man taken all the way to the edge. Uh, I, I'm, but I'm. I don't. Well, we'll see. Well, because we're going to go on to the next section. I don't think he surrenders. I don't um, think he does. Well, either. I think no, I, right, does. right now. But, but, but we'll, go, we'll get to that we'll, because, yeah. because I think you're going. You're, oh, he doesn't going give up. He doesn't yes. give up. <laughs> all right, so, and and with that, do you want me to go ahead and I'll. I'll uh, Read the. Go, go to break. Go to break. Oh, we're gonna go to break. Okay. <laughs> hey, you know what? And if you haven't noticed, uh, we are every other week. Yeah, I need. I, I I need those reps, Coach. Put me in, Coach. Put me in. <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and take a break. This is podcast two fifty nine. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders. 
Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is Podcast 259. We are the guys of Man Up Spiritual Oasis. I am going to go ahead, and we are in the discussion of Job. This is Job 2, 1 through 10. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless, upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life, but stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face lord said to satan very well then he is in your hands but you must spare his life so satan went out from the presence of the lord and afflicted job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the tops of his head then job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes his wife said to him are you still holding on to your integrity curse god and die he replied you are talking like a foolish woman Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. So, so, so I'm just going to ask because Mike brought it up. What the heck with the wife? All the kids die. All the daughters die. The wife is like left alone. Job gets like he he's in his mourning period. Quite obvious because he has been. Ripped of clothes, shaved his head. Now he's got sores all over him from the sound of it. And his wife is walking around perfectly fine. Like, what it's, the heck? I, I've heard, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, because once again, I'm, my, inter, my, my English major is going to come out. She's needed for the story. But that, I, that, little, okay. that little section there, um, which stands in contrast to the naked I came, um, you, you, it, it raises some questions because um, this is the only time we ever see her and she's there to say something is she there to say what he's thinking well so he can literally refute okay. it so you are taught and he says you are talking like a foolish woman but um and so so there well i'll i'll, I'll start there and say so i think i think for, for literary reasons she's there to, to there as a mechanism to maybe, 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 maybe this is what Job is thinking.
Isn't this he, exactly what Satan wanted? Well, when he went first before God, so it's like he, for that, he, had, that he went inside her and said, yes, okay, that's some, right, some, right? Some, I've heard it that looks interpretation. Like that. No, that, it looks like that. that. You know, that she happened. was the one who survived, so she could be annoyed, so she couldn't act. Well, <laughs> yeah, he could act through her, right? He could embody her. <laughs> Spoiler alert, she's also necessary for the very end of the story. Okay. I'm just going to leave That's that true. there. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you know, like yeah. at the very end when we're all mm-hmm. done, she becomes important again. <laughs> but but what's what's interesting here also, now you get that great, very good read, that, that statement about, you know, naked I came in, naked I'm going out. Why should, you know, he, in fact, he, I'm gonna, he says, we're not going to curse God. I'm, you actually said, I might even be grateful, which is fine. He's sad, he's grieving, but now he's making a rhetorical question. Yep. He's, he's, he's not making a statement. He's saying, you are talking like a foolish woman, or shall, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Well, the next, you know, the whole book is going to deal with it. Um, so, so he's say, so he's kind of saying, you know, it's almost, it's almost, if you're a faithful person, a church-going person, the church answer, the church answer is yes, we should. Job's answer is, I'm not sure about this. I want, I want to know more. So, so this is, this is, this is great um, in terms of yeah, the church answer is yes, but. Now we have 40-odd chapters to come because the answer isn't well, really well, the answer an isn't unconditional the yes. That, that's it's the and and, and okay. this is it. So I, go ahead, Mike. Okay, yes. this is a big yeah. trial. Yeah. <laughs> they both know it's a big trial, and it's not <laughs> ending. And they're going to go for a long ways. They've both been through trials. They've both been through sickness, <laughs> suffering, every just like all of us folks. And James, <laughs> what James... One says, uh, count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into various trials, knowing that your testing produces faith and faith endurance and, and so on, so on, forbearance. And they both have recognized it's a trial. And she says, like Steve says, she's, Job is saying, gosh, do I give up now? And she's saying, uh, yeah, go for it, buddy. <laughs> she says, yeah, give up. And Job in his heart is saying, I can't do this. I know better than this. I know I can't give up. I know, and it looks like this is going to be a long mm-hmm. trial. Well, if I've he was lost a, everything, if right? he was a great man, mm-hmm. and he was well known by everybody, he was so wealthy. The way he lives is a huge testimony to the people of that area. Okay, and so the the example to us is, you don't even have to be the big guy. You're going to have everybody has troubles anyway, but you're going to be looked at, and how you react to that is going is really going to define you, and and there's certain things that that I will fight just because I'm I'm that kind of guy, but but, but then there's other things I'm not gonna, and I think that's what this story is about, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 I I think it's interesting because the personal attack on him is what makes it harder for Job. I obviously because anybody who's ever been sick, so everybody knows that when you're sick, (laughs) you don't have time for this nonsense. Like leave me alone, you know. Especially guys, because we'll just assume Job is a normal man Mm -hmm. who you know women get sick and supposedly they suck it up and carry on and. 
You know, according to my wife, I'm a little cold and I'm on the couch dying. But, you know, J- Job is probably not much different than all of us because, you know, we, we don't have time for this when we're sick. This is a good way of putting it because yeah. even in church we say, well, and, and, and we, we've encountered people and maybe even encountered some troubles ourselves and financial stuff. And, and it's always, we always give the, the classic church answer but it's true you know the wealth isn't everything it's really about yeah so so maybe job thought that and said okay i'm gonna be faithful so now yeah now now he's personal. absolutely miserable now it's personal now he's you know sitting there he's he's uh, it's well, it's and, um and and now you're you're wondering what the heck is and now you notice and you made a point of this dave in your notes he he switches between yahweh and elohim yes uh-huh. and and Yahweh is usually Lord, and it's usually presented as creator, Lord, ruler of the universe. Mm-hmm. Elohim is typically used as the God, mm-hmm. the personal relationship God. And so if you look at it from when they were, if, if this is true, when they were merging these stories and talking about it in the post-exilic period, that the Elohim was from the Davidic thought train mm-hmm. of thought, and the Yahweh was from the priestly train of thought. And so they're marrying those two together, and Job is looking at it from the perspective of, this is the Creator Lord, who is also the personal God that I know, which is how we view God and how we view things. And I think this is where, this is where the entire book spins, because now the importance for us and for everyone living today is questions. Because Christianity often gets presented as a black-white, yes, no, it's yes, it's no. You're not allowed to question anything. And there are churches, I had a long conversation upstairs with my youth this Sunday, that, hey, you don't realize how blessed you are because our church actively encourages you to do questions. I am from, I'm a trainer by trade. That's what I do. Questions are my lifeblood. I ask questions. I love questions being asked. The problem is when you don't allow questions about anything, then that's the fundamentalist group. The group says embrace the American nationalist cult nonsense garbage that's out there and have done really more stuff or churches that have actually developed that cult of personality type of church. You know, the pastor's all powerful. He's not allowed to be questioned. Mark Driscoll. Ravi Zacharias, the Catholic hierarchy, the Southern Baptist Executive Committee. <laughs> you're not allowed to question any of the things they're doing because if you do that, then you're questioning your faith. And Job is telling us the opposite of that. Job is telling us that we are allowed to not only question, but it's encouraged to <laughs> question. God will answer because guess what, boys and girls? If you sit and go, yes, it's okay, okay, and you never question, you never grow in your faith, and you never grow in your life. As we're getting down to the end of podcast 259, let me bring uh, Michael Cropper in here. What would you like to know, Bill? (laughs) (laughs) Why is it not not pronounced job? (laughs) Job gets job. (laughs) No, no, no. Is that his last name, Job Jobs? I want to reiterate something here. And and, and again, you got it. If you you look at this from looking above, and I I think of it at puppet stage, 
and we're the puppeteers standing above the puppets down below us, and we're looking at everything that's going on, and we can see everything in the scenery and in the the setup mm-hmm. for the uh, the puppet puppet uh, story that we're going to tell. We know everything that's going to happen, and you got God and you got uh, Satan up here, who have reviewed the facts and they know what they're going to do. Satan knows what he wants to do, and God gives him permission to do it, and. Uh, and and he does it, boy, and he does it mad. He goes down and he uh, he obliterates everything but Job's life, tears up his skin, his head, his body, his hands. And Job is so so in such a horrible shape that he has to go sit on the the trash pile. He won't even sit inside mm-hmm. the city. Why? Because he didn't want anybody to see him. Right, guys? Would you agree? Mm-hmm. He he looks horrible. In fact. We we jumped some scriptures here, and we're going to be covering them. Some of his friends come and show up. Three of his friends show up, and he looks so horrible they don't even recognize him. But they know who it is, and they know it's him, and they go and sit with him for seven days and don't say a word. He looks that bad. So, so if God loves us, why do we suffer? And again, this this is coming back to one of the th- the points that Steve wants to make. Uh, Steve told us this is a very important point of our lesson. And and Job says, Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept the bad as well? Don't they go hand in hand? So he's saying, How much faith do you have to accept when things go wrong and trust God through the bad times as well. So I think that's very important. Thanks, Bill. That's what I, I, I that's important to me, what what Job says. It's an ill wind that doesn't help somebody. Um anyway, uh we're gonna come we're coming down to the end. Uh just want to get some uh, as we open up this particular uh brand new study uh on Job, get some final takeaways on this particular part of it uh from the fellas and I'll start with uh the celebrity among us who was on the, I'm not going to say John Maxwell <laughs> podcast, but it was the John Maxwell podcast. We're not going to use any names, right? That's yeah, right. They, they, yeah. they grabbed my comment and quoted it, and it was kind of an exciting moment because I'm sitting there kind of, it's at the end, and I'm, I'm starting to pull my stuff back out, and all of a sudden they start reading, and I'm going, wait a second, that was my comment about 10 podcasts ago, so it was kind of interesting. Um, anyway. Did you get paid for that? No, I did not. Um, <laughs> so I didn't get full credit either because it's my first name only, but right. uh, so first of all, if you if you want to go see a New Testament perspective of this or hear a New Testament perspective, Mike alluded to James, go listen to our podcast 237. I broke my leg and I'm supposed to be happy. <laughs> um, where, where we talked about this in the context of James. No, it is. It's true. So, so yeah. go, go listen to that. And so maybe Steve linked that in the show notes for people so that they can go hear it. Um, and what, what I'm looking forward to with Job is it's the importance of questions and seeking answers from God. When we get challenged, we can grow faith and we can expand. That there's something in training, and it's a little neuroscience so bear with me for a moment. There's something about the stress in the moment of learning. If it's too easy, you don't learn. If it's way too hard, you don't learn. If it's a little hard, it functions in your brain to the point that you can retain it and keep it. So our struggle in our life is part of that because we live in a world that's fallen and broken. And so that struggle 
is what causes the things that happen. And because of those, we always learn from it. You know, it, it's the post-project review. What did we, what went right, what went wrong, what could we have done better? And we, if we go through life and hop, skip, and a jump, and everything's all happy and go lucky, and uh, what, what we call that sunshine and roses, cookies and cream, you know, pink cookie on a napkin with a glass of tea, you know. Easy killer. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. But, but if you're getting that and that's all you're getting, then you're not getting anything that's challenging you to grow your faith. And that's the lesson of Job. And that's what we're going to live in. Because if we live in that limited and black and white faith, then we become trapped and stagnated in our faith. Excellent. Uh, Mike Cropper, you yeah. have a takeaway? Uh, I sure do. Yeah, thank you. Uh, folks, remember something. This is, uh, in fact, it's hard for all of us to remember this. The, uh, the author makes a mention in, uh, in one of his comments. He says, folks, when you're suffering pain, when you're in the middle of a, a trial where you're, you, you suffer, you're sick, you're ill, pain blinds us. The joys of our past the hope of our future often is covered up and it's hard for us to see past our face. It's hard for us to imagine what's going to happen tomorrow. It's hard for us to look back behind us and view how great life has been to us and how great, in fact, God has been to us. And that's the statement that Job made when he said, uh, woman, will we not take the, the bad with the good? A wife. So anyway, so I just want to mention that to you folks. If you're in the middle of a trial and it is very painful and you are suffering and you cannot see past uh, the present time, which is, folks, it's normal. It's normal if you're, in your, if, if you're in a big trial. Call some of your Christian friends or call some of your friends who you know will encourage you and even pray for you if you want them to pray for you. But the important thing is, there are times when we have to seek outside help because things are so overwhelming. Bill? Excellent. Uh, Steve Titch. Well, sometimes we've been, uh, we've been getting into some of the esoteric stuff, some of the literary stuff, but there is a, there's an important personal story, uh, a poignant story in here that we, we should be keeping in mind as we go through. But, and, and, and it gets to the point where you raised, you raised the question of, you know, how, is that how we pronounce Job? Um, I, I, a lot of my, 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 my notes have been pulled out of a, a study, a, a commentary by J. Gerald Jensen, simply called Job. It's in the Interpretation series uh, published by John Knox Press. But in, in his book, he writes that Job, the name Job, in, in Hebrew is, would be pronounced Eob, Eob. Um, and it is, a, apparently it's an ancient name. It would be like to us a name like Jedediah. You don't hear much about it anymore, um, which makes it again that whole kind of story that is happening in the back, in the back history. But the name itself, Eob, Jansen suggests, is derived from Aya Abum, Aya Abum, uh, the Hebrew, which literally means, where is the divine father? And that's, that's the poignant part of this, because Job is undergoing a whole lot of suffering, a whole lot of trials. He's not really blaming them, blaming it all on God. But as we see, and beginning really next week, he feels God has abandoned him. He, he is in a very dark place, and he's both, 
He's both grieving and angry, and the language he uses is very strong. Um, and the biblical allusions and references he makes are very strong about darkness, darkness overcoming the light. We'll talk about that and uh, next week. But this is a, a story about a man who, for a while, believes God has abandoned him, which I think. M- to be honest, a lot of us feel that way. Even, even if we don't want to rail at God because we've lost something or catastrophe, something bad has happened. Um, and well, where, where is God? Where is the Divine Father? Well, and Steve, I, I can absolutely relate to that, sitting in the mm-hmm. hospital bed <laughs> during COVID, and I know you can too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And with that, thanks so much for tuning in. This is podcast number... 259 New Church Answers with the fellows of Man Up Spiritual Oasis. Uh, on behalf of uh, producer Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Robert Koshu, my name is Bill Cox. Make sure uh, you follow our podcast. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate the podcast and leave a review. You have any questions or comments? You can go to the Facebook page or www.man-upspiritualoasis.com and post it there. And if you're unable to attend a church, check out Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube. Sugarlandbaptist.org starts Sunday at 9:45 a.m. And when you're ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate. Find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class that you can join for small group discussions like this and find one that is men only. And if there is one, start one. This is No Church Answers with Man Up. Per Robert Koshu. My name is Bill Cox. Make sure uh, you follow our podcast. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate the podcast and leave a review. You have any questions or comments? You can go to the Facebook page or www.man-upspiritualoasis.com and post it there. And if you're unable to attend a church, check out Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube. Sugarlandbaptist.org starts Sunday at 9:45 a.m. And when you're ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate. Find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class that you can join for small group discussions like this and find one that is men only. And if there is one, start one. This is No Church Answers with Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.